0: Alright, Competitor Nation, we're back with a brand new episode featuring the New York Mets mental performance coach, Samantha Gilmore. What's up, Competitor Nation? Jake here, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and back with this brand new episode featuring the New York Mets' Samantha Gilmore. As we talk about identity journaling, mindset, and specifically the importance of defining your mindset. Why we have to invest the time to build our awareness and define what type of mindset we want to have so that we can better show up in the world. I think you're going to get a ton out of this conversation with Samantha. Quick thing, competitor, before we jump into this week's show, just a reminder to get in touch with me or the podcast, Email us at podcast at competeveryday.com. And as always, for you, our loyal listeners, you can get 15% off any order at competeeveryday.com with the code podcast. That's right, 15% off any order with the code podcast at competeeveryday.com. If you haven't yet, do me a quick favor, jump on over to competitornation.com, join our online community well, we're constantly sharing content and lessons on ways you can better compete every single day, how you can better show up at work, how you can better overcome that failure. And for a lot of you, as I hear from your emails to podcast at compete dot com, you want to be more consistent when the motivation fades. And so I've got a lot of content this month sharing around how to maintain motivation all year, how to keep showing up and competing every single day when you lose, when you get your butt kicked, when things aren't going your way or when that finish line is so far off, because that's what it's all about. Too many people that we know, too many people we see every day give up at the first sign of adversity. They give up at the first challenge because they thought it was supposed to be easy. They thought they were entitled to the easy road. They saw someone else on social media and they assumed that getting to that level was quick and painless. And after they realized it wasn't, they walk their butts off the field. They get back in the stands and they sit with the critics. And they point and make fun of the people who are failing on the field who are falling down while trying to run toward that end zone. But the, but the thing that people in the stands don't understand is while they sit there criticizing, living as cowards, they're dying in those stands. And eventually, as that final whistle sounds, they're going to wonder why they never achieved anything. They're going to wish they'd given it their best. They're going to wish that they had a little more time. I promise this time I'll go after it. And all the while, those people on the field, some will have crossed that finish line and gotten gold. Some will have hit their goals. Some will have achieved success. And others are going to be beat. They're going to be bloodied. But they're going to be smiling. Because when that whistle sounds, they're going to know in their heart of hearts, I gave everything I had for everything I wanted. I left nothing to chance, nothing to fate, nothing to luck, nothing to anything else. I gave it all on the field. I competed, and there ain't anything anyone can say about it or take away from me. I don't have a what if. I don't have a regret because I know I gave everything I had for everything I wanted. Now, I don't know about you, but when I die, I'm going to be one of those on the field. And I don't know if I'm going to die in the end zone at the one-yard line or I'm still going to be at midfield, but I can assure you, I will die on that field because I will show up and compete every single day. No matter how hard I get hit, no matter how hard something knocks me down, no matter how much pain I'm in, I'm going to get up and keep going. And I hope you do too because I want to look to my left and I want to look to my right and I want to see competitors just like you fighting for every single inch, every single yard in life because you don't want to get to the end of it and ask, what if? You don't want to be haunted by the idea of, What if? Leave what if for the cowards and critics that sit in the stands that are too afraid to try anything, too afraid to dare to go after something, too afraid to risk it all and bet on themselves. Let them die with regret in their heart, pain in their soul, and what if leaving their lips? Because you're going to exhaust it all and end on empty on the field. And you're going to go out like a champion, regardless where you end up on that field. And you'll be the envy of all those in the stands. So today, whatever that looks like, however motivated you are, however much pain you're in, I don't know, but know this, I am cheering for you to take that step. I'm cheering for you to carve out 15, 20 minutes for your goal. Do not waste the opportunity of today by making excuses, by procrastinating, by looking at someone else and comparing yourself. Show up and compete. Even if you don't get all the way there, by God, get another step closer. Because that's what it's all about, each and every day. Show up and pursue the victory that you want in your life, whether that's a career goal, a relationship goal, a fitness goal, a financial goal. Whatever that goal is, pursue that victory until you get it. Now, let's have some fun talking about how we define our mindset, that competitor mindset, with this week's guest, Samantha Gilmore of the New York Mets. Let's go! Samantha, welcome to the Compete Everyday podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, Jake. Excited to be here.
0: Yeah. So you have quite the interesting career that I imagine a lot of our listeners are are a little bit jealous of, Uh, but I have a question before you tell us what you do today. Were you a baseball, softball player growing up, or have you just found yourself in love with America's pastime?
1: Yeah, you caught me. Um, I've been playing, well, I guess now I'm a retired athlete. That's hard for me to take in even probably six years later. But um, I played softball, you know, since uh, it was available with t-ball all the way through college, four years of college softball. Um, Always interested in the game of baseball and always wanted to work in baseball because that's where the opportunity was didn't realize how different they really were until I got into baseball, Um, and there are quite a few differences, so I've been learning that along the way, but the softball background definitely helped.
0: Yeah, so tell everyone what you do today working in baseball.
1: So I work with the New York Mets. I'm a mental performance coach for them in the minor leagues, so I've been with them. uh, I'm going into my fourth season now, which is crazy. It feels like it just started yesterday, um, and I've worked with every level with us. So I started with rookie ball as an intern, uh, became full-time after that working with high A and now, you know, working virtually, it's been with every single minor league player in our organization, um, and, and working with our taxi squad as well this year. Um, but now I find myself working more so with our triple A and AA players as they make their way to the major leagues.
0: So during that time of year, where are you based out of? I imagine you do a ton of travel, but where's kind of home for you?
1: A ton of travel. Um, I find myself in Port St. Lucie, Florida a lot, which is where our minor league facility yep. is. Um, that, so with our Florida State League down there, you spend a lot of time going across the state of Florida back and forth. I've gotten to know it very well. Uh, especially with my time in Tallahassee at Florida State. So I'm kind of excited for travel to start back up again, uh, get myself in New York some and, and kind of get back to normal life after this past year.
0: Yeah, and and Florida's been a little more normal, I should say, than other places uh, around the country. So I know that's got to be somewhat of an advantage. I'm based in the Dallas area, so Texas, and I've traveled to Florida actually a few times in the last six months. Uh, So I know that's got to help a little bit because as we talked about, always being on Zoom, anything pops in and it's like, hey, there's no commute, just pile up your, you know, turn on your Zoom and let's rock and roll. What inspired you to go from athlete or quote, retired athlete as, as we all are. And at some stage or another to working on the mental performance side, was there an area that you really struggled in as an athlete? And you thought, I just want to figure out why I struggled here and how I can maybe overcome it in life after sports, or, or was it something different that took you down this path?
1: Yeah, um, it's actually really interesting. I had a coach that I think taught me the mental game without knowing he was teaching me the mental game. I was the athlete that was not the most athletic on the field, unfortunately, but I definitely had the mind going at all times. Uh, I was the thinker out there. So, my coach really honed in on that. And we found that I was able to use the fact that I was kind of in tune with my mind, I had some awareness behind uh, how that could help. And I started applying tools like we do with mental performance. And I saw my athletic performance rise to a level that was allowing me to play as good as athletes that were purely athletic out there. Um, And really, it was what allowed me to get a college scholarship and go play four years in college. So Because of that, um, in that experience with learning my mental game, I was like, I want to help other people figure this out. It's no longer just the pure talent that gets us where we want to go and and allows us to reach our dreams. Uh, We can also work on some things off the field to help with that too.
0: One of the things you said there I'm curious about is you were very in tune with terms of your brain and how you were processing the game mentally at a go, especially when we're younger A lot of people, I think, overanalyze too much, like they're aware of a lot, but then they start overanalyzing so much of the situation. Did you ever find yourself into that state because you were a very cerebral player to overanalyze too much and kind of get caught in that paralysis by analysis? Or were you just kind of naturally tuned in to be a little more self-aware through that process and your coach kind of was able to guide on how to take that upper level?
1: Yeah, it's such an interesting question and it's crazy to say no, I was really lucky in the fact that um, I was able to sort through my thought processes and kind of use them to, to my benefit without overthinking. And I think that's where it's so interesting when I'm working with athletes that are overthinkers. Um, It's kind of, it's so different between me and them that I kind of have to figure out, okay, what's going to work for you to kind of tune this down a little bit when I'm someone that like really tuned into the thoughts and used those. Uh, So it's unique challenges for everybody. But I was one of the lucky ones that the overthinking did not plague me on the field.
0: And it's interesting that you shared that piece right there, that, that you have the opportunity to obviously work with people today and and working in the Mets organization of people that can't overanalyze, because a lot of times we see this on a bigger scale players that go from the athlete to the coach. And especially if they're an incredibly talented athlete, never understand why other players like just can't do the play like why can't you just do that it's simple because they were so athletic it was so natural for them that other people don't have that same tune but but you have that curiosity factor which is why I think you've been successful and I continue to grow in your career of trying to figure out how can I help them become more like how I see it in this sense that comes naturally to me And curiosity is obviously one of the biggest, I I would say, skills or traits to successful people is constantly looking and learning and trying to figure things out. One of the things about overanalyzing that I tend to look at as someone who hasn't quite struggled, I'm a little more like, let's just let it rip and go, uh, is the idea of maintaining the middle. And you and I talked about this offline briefly of When you overanalyze, sometimes we get so stressed out. We're taking in so much. Our focus is going every which way. And and then we kind of ride that emotional highs and lows of we kick ourselves when we're down or we celebrate a little too much when we're hot, when we're up. Baseball is such a long game, such a long season, 162 games, spring training, postseason. Maintaining the middle and being able to kind of control that high and that low is, is key for a player to have a successful season. Because you're all going to go through streaks one way or another, just like we do in life. What are some of the things that you found or tend to lean on in terms of helping people create a little more of that baseline in terms of how do we make sure that our highs are not too high and our lows are not too low so that we can better perform or better show up?
1: This is a great conversation, and especially like you said, when we're talking about baseball with such a long season and oftentimes with minor leagues, it's such a long career as while we're trying to get to our ultimate goal of being in the major leagues. And so I think ultimately what I preach and what I find helps with this is the foundation of mental skills, I think, is self-awareness and building awareness around our thought processes. Without that, it's really hard to implement the other skills. And then on the other end of the spectrum of that, which is, I think is the ultimate goal for, um, for my athletes is to have mindfulness. Um, so combining the idea of having the self-awareness and building on that skill to where we get to a place to where we can be aware in the present moment. Uh, so for us, when we're playing 162 games in a season, if we're thinking out, uh, if we're time traveling, as I say, so if our, we're thinking to the future, we're thinking of the past, we're not in that present moment, uh, which makes it really, you know, challenging to not kind of maintain that middle when we're actually in the situation that does lead to the high highs or the low lows. So first step, I think, uh, to, to get around to it is being present, mindful in the moment. Uh, why, I, let me ask
0: you real quick, sorry yeah. to jump in there just for our listeners. Do you classify mindfulness as the ability to be essentially where your feet are centered in the present moment, or how would you define that word so that I make sure that they're on mm-hmm. the same page with you?
1: Yeah, it's, it's kind of a buzzword right now, right? It is. And so <laughs> how I look at it as being able to be in the present moment, Um, But with that, it's being aware of what's going on in our head, it's being aware of how the environment's affecting us and just noticing it right so we're not necessarily reacting to what we're noticing, we're just taking it in and then I think ultimately, because of that mindfulness because of that presence, uh, we're allowed to adjust where need be. Uh, and, and get back to middle if we do notice oh right now I you know I'm super frustrated with the pitch that just happened before uh, but I'm going to be mindful I'm going to get back to the present and I, you know I'm going to let that go.
0: I love that. Yeah. And so it it really, from a a batter's perspective, to give a good example to listeners, it would be getting up to the plate. You just swung and missed at Something it's understanding my thoughts, actually actively understanding my thoughts or thinking about the last pitch. I need to control my breathing. I need to focus on what's coming with the upcoming delivery instead of everything else that could be going on or, or playing that game of what if I swing and miss again, it's just, how do I bring myself back to this current spot almost kind of from a third party perspective, you can almost see yourself, would you say that's pretty accurate in that sense?
1: Absolutely. That's a great way to look at it. And I think I, uh, in listening to you say that, and another nice way to think about it is just checking in, right? It's continuously checking in. So if we just had a bad swing, we step out of that box and we check in, we say, okay, what are we thinking right now? What are we feeling right now? Uh, potentially mentally and physically, right? So maybe we're feeling tension. Need to adjust there, um, so it, it's doing a full scan of what's going on uh, physically and mentally with us, and then adjusting where we need to after that.
0: Let me ask you because baseball is is a game of routines. I would say the athletes have routines. You have your warm up. You know what's happening on home games and away games. You have your schedules. You have all of these things that happen. Mentally, you kind of have a routine and and checklist that you're training yourself to go through. That if you're attention gets off course. This is how I bring it back. Sometimes in life after sports, we kind of forget the importance of routines. We, we look at them as just things to go through versus having like a mental checklist that can bring us back to this present moment when we're stressed or when there's so much chaos. And, and I think the one thing that 2020 taught so many people is the importance of dealing with uncertainty and being mindful of there's a lot of things outside of your control, but kind of what's my mental checklist internally. How do you kind of help your players start to develop that checklist that brings them back into that moment? Because what I'm hoping is kind of our listeners and a lot of them former athletes can hear that and say, okay, so where can I create a checklist in my busy work week or before I walk mm-hmm. home and interact with my spouse and kids so that I'm a little more present and mindful in that moment versus being distracted?
1: Mm-hmm. That's a really good question, um, and I think where I start with my athletes, especially uh, when I'm just getting to know them, you know, oftentimes I think back to when I first started my, the way I wanted to approach this work was solution focused, so I wanted you to come to me with your problem, and I wanted to solve the problem for you, <laughs> that ultimately does not work for anybody listening, uh, there's more to it than that, and part of it is is getting to know the athlete. Um, I have to know, you know, their background, where they come from, who they are, how they approach life. And with that, um, sometimes they know those answers. Uh, sometimes it's us learning together and building awareness around that. But I think it's reflection. It's me constantly asking questions to get that information from them, constantly challenging them to answer those questions themselves. So with reflection, I think we're able to start looking at where do I want to, we, we go to this a lot, but where do I want to start? start doing things? Where do I want to stop doing things? And what do I want to continue doing? Um, And so with reflection, I think people will start to look at, okay, this is something that's really beneficial for me in my life. I want to continue doing that. Uh, I, I heard this idea. And I thought this was really cool that, you know, listening to a podcast on my way home from work was going to allow me kind of to, brief, to debrief my day and then be present when I get home. Uh, and maybe I, I noticed that going to get, you know, McDonald's coffee every morning wasn't beneficial for me. Uh, so I'm going to stop doing that. And so reflection, noticing what's working, what's helping, um, and what's not and then making adjustments after that.
0: Would you say that's one reason journaling, even if it's a simple, like two, three bullet points every day is helpful because it helps really distill what we're reflecting on or force ourselves to create that awareness and then write it down, which obviously is much more powerful than us trying to remember it in our heads.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, Journaling is such a it's a funny thing for me because I'm really conscious of who I'm talking to at work. Especially, you know, I get in a room and I'm in front of a hundred guys and I'm like, I'm gonna tell them to start journaling today. Uh, what are they gonna <laughs> what how are they gonna respond to that, right? They're to gonna look diary. at <laughs> yeah, Exactly. They're gonna be like it's Sam, I am not writing a diary for you, Uh, but it's, it's, you know, convincing them in all the other ways and maybe thinking of cool ways to not call it journaling. Uh, I haven't figured that out completely yet, but it is absolutely writing things down and taking the time to kind of just get out what's in our brain and organize that a little bit can be so helpful and i think it often surprises people how much actually comes out and then you really do start building awareness around emotions feelings the way those things impact us um and and get a little bit more organized in how we approach our days in life too
0: i love that so i'm going to throw an idea out there that popped in my head as you were saying that challenge them instead of journaling it's mental batting practice mental bp because you're intentional going in, practicing stuff, you're trying to tweak a, a hit, you're trying to get warmed up, it's warming up your brain. Maybe that's a crazy idea, but I was like, guys would probably get like my mental BP in the morning to get ready and get going. Throwing that out there. Along absolutely. Along those lines of journaling, building our self-awareness, recognizing certain behaviors comes down to, to really our mindset. What mindset are we intentionally building? And one of the things that I love that stuck out when we were kind of going through this before the show is the concept of defining your mindset, because a lot of times we define maybe who we want to be and maybe some of the skills that they have. And man, I want to be successful, so I need to be better at budgeting money or sales. Or We think of it from a physical or a skill set from a corporate standpoint, But a lot of times we never sit down and say, what do I actually want my mindset to be? How do I define how I see the world and how I use my brain? Talk to me a little bit about that concept and what defining your mindset means to you and and really why it's so important that we invest the time to do it.
1: Yeah, I love this because it's so individualized and I think sometimes we, we take away from um, all of this information that we know in terms of mental performance and mental skills and we forget that it really needs to be based on the individual. So I call it in terms of performance defining your mindset approach. Uh, I think it's really, especially with people that aren't so in tuned with mental performance and working on their mental skills, we often like, we'll watch a video, we'll see a documentary and we'll be like, we're going to start doing that. We're going to be like Kobe. Uh, We're going to be like Mike, you know. Um, But really first, the first step is determining what's going to work specifically for us and then that's how you start figuring out what tools you're going to use to get to that mindset so it's looking at your past experiences your past games where did you perform really well Uh, also taking a look at maybe where you didn't perform really well and then defining the variables that went into those performances so i performed really well for this six month span what was going on Uh, what was my approach to the games what was the emotion that was consistently there what was the feeling was it confidence was it calm and relaxation. Uh, So using those past performances that went really well to define the mindset that allows us to play at our peak performance and then use the tools that we have to work towards getting to that mindset approach consistently every game.
0: I love that. One of the things along those lines that kind of popped up in my head that I'm, I'm a little curious about is Defining Once we define that mindset, we define kind of how we want to show up, when I've done well, when we look at when we struggle. And and maybe when we struggle in sports, sometimes it's not necessarily anything we're doing wrong. Sometimes it's there's things going on outside of the game that influence how we play, that influence our focus, our energy levels, how we're showing up. Mm -hmm. One of those things a lot of times on the reverse side is players use the game as an escape. It's an escape Mm -hmm. from troubles and challenges going out. They may be having issues with a girlfriend or a spouse and not handling it well, it's driving it. But when they get on the field, like they're able to compartmentalize that for a necessary period of time. And I'm curious in your experience, have you ever seen to where that compartmentalization has gotten to where it's unhealthy and how we address that? And the reason I say, um, reason I'm asking is if someone listening is struggling maybe with with grief, they're struggling with something at home, Uh, but they find that they can escape when they go to the gym, or they can escape when they get to work, and they can lock in here and compartmentalize it, but once they leave, they're having to deal with it all over again, and and for a while, that's okay, but eventually what goes on off the field influences how you show up on the field and and vice versa, and and so Mm -hmm. I'm curious where you start to see the parallel of use this sacred time on the field to focus in, to be present, to not let that distract you. But at some point, how do we know when to address it and stop compartmentalizing it? That's a pretty deep question, but it it just kind of popped up as we're talking about like managing our mindset, because that's a lot of times we try to have a mindset for work, a mindset for life, a mindset for friendships. When we're still the same person, we just show up differently in different areas, but they still influence each area.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a really interesting question. I, and I don't know that I've ever thought about it in detail, but what came to mind when I was listening to you ask it was, yeah, oftentimes the players um, do separate, right? Maybe, and with people at home too, maybe it is the gym time that allows us to to get away um, or have that escape. I think what came to mind for me is that what I noticed that even, even if they tend to take that, you know, that time for the game where they are present in the moment and they're not paying attention to things that go off the field, what I've seen is that it still changes our approach to the day to day right? So they know that when we're on the field, we're focusing on the field, but maybe they do have something going on at home. So the way that they're approaching their practices, the way that they're approaching the day-to-day, even leading up to the game becomes different. So ultimately over time, little by little, our mindset approach becomes a little different. Uh, And to give an example, I think maybe so maybe we're, we're struggling with finances at home, we're questioning if baseball is the right option anymore, for example, and we continue to minimize little increments, put pressure on each situation that we're doing each day. So we start to put a little bit more pressure on that bullpen, a little bit more pressure on the statistics that came out of that game than maybe that we used to, because we're understanding that the results are leading to life decisions. Yep. Uh, so yeah, it, you know, did that make sense? Like, cause no, that's it, what immediately it does. came to mind. Yeah. Okay.
0: And I think that's, that's a, a beautiful example. So at which point do we start to really like, and how do we manage that piece? Because yeah, if you go into, you know, putting more and more pressure on every ground ball and every, you know you're eventually going to have the yips. Like at some point there's going to be that disconnect because you're putting so much pressure on that one play and it's got to be perfect because if it's not perfect, then your career's over and you got to do something else. You don't know what you're going to do and blah, blah, blah. You know, you just let it snowball. How do we help manage that pressure that we're incrementally putting on ourselves? Does that all go all the way back to what we talked about earlier in terms of building that self-awareness and journaling and then talk, obviously talking to someone about it?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's using as many tools as we can. And that's the million dollar question, right? I, I wish I had the answer. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, I think it's different for everyone. What works um, is, is a different answer for everybody. I think it's putting in all the skills, like you said. Um, and it, it's also coming to terms and really defining our identity uh, that's not something that I tuned into too much, actually, until this past year, I've really started thinking more and more about what it is to, you know, define identity. Um, and, and really, the differences between players that their whole identity is in baseball versus the players that have, you know, the identity of baseball player, but also the identity of father, um, the identity of husband, and, and really tuning into the fact that they're not just a baseball player. Um, and I think with coming to understand who you are and and what your identity is can release some pressure on the various identities, right? So even if the the pressure is right now on the fact that I'm a husband and I need to make money, uh, there's still the identity of baseball player that we can't ignore.
0: Do you think, and this, this may be a 90 something mile an hour slider coming at you. So I apologize (laughs) in advance. Do you think we should define and work on solidifying our identity first or building our mindset and defining our mindset?
1: Really good question. Um, and my favorite answer is going to be, it depends, right? It's going to depend on the guy that's in front of you. And I <laughs> I hate giving you uh, that yep. curveball right back, but I, I think it's because what's going to work for each person is going to be different, right? And it's about buy-in too. If I have a guy that's willing to work with me on identity and that's kind of where we want to start first, then that's where I want to approach it first with him. Uh, What I found is absolutely starting with the mental performance in terms of building the awareness, gaining some understanding of our thought processes and the way these things affect our life tend to help a little bit with identity piece.
0: Yeah. And and I love the fact that You also said use all available tools too. So for anyone listening, there's a lot of parallels to the discussion we're having around ballplayers and and what you may be going through. And the importance of what your solution is may be different than someone else's, but find every available solution. And and most importantly, don't be afraid to ask for help. Like great players are Mm -hmm. not stubborn in the fact that they don't need help. They have hitting coaches, they have managers, they have sports mental performance coaches. Like they understand that competitive edge is needed. They can't do it alone. And there's not a successful person out there that can do it. And a lot of times we can let our pride of like, I'm not talking to anybody about my mental game. I don't, you know, need this. I'm going to be Kobe. I'm going to have Mamba mentality. You still need that help to build that self-awareness, to make sure your identity is solidified. And it's not just tied to one thing that you do in order to have that well-rounded experience. And more importantly, to show up more confidently and and strong in what you're doing so you can make a better impact so so many things that you shared here today Samantha were were awesome for listeners today where can people learn more about and just follow along your work uh throughout the season with the Mets this coming year because y'all have been making quite a big moves at the major league level and so I know they're a team to watch but where can we follow along your career and work because I know you're still early on getting started and continuing to make a name in the space is, is our mutual friend, Lauren, Nicole Johnson, former guest recommended uh, we connect and, and which is why you're here today, hanging out with us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I'll champion my team, keep up with the Mets for sure. I think we're going to be somebody to watch this season and moving forward for years to come. Um, I, I'm not too big on the social media aspect. I, that's where I try to keep my work life balance a little bit. Uh, so I, I, tend to keep that personal, but just keep up with the Mets. I'm sure you'll see some great stuff out there. And then I'm also on LinkedIn. So you can connect with me there if you'd like.
0: Absolutely. Love it, Sam. Thank you so much for hanging out on the show this week. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jake. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the compete everyday podcast. As always drop us a note with your feedback to podcast at competeveryday.com. Check out more episodes, find amazing apparel, get connected with the community at competeeveryday.com. And until next week, bring your best, show up every day regardless of how you feel and be that type of competitor you were created to be.